1987. Your parents got divorced last year. You go to your dad's apartment one day. The only thing close to resembling furniture is his roommate, Gene. Gene owns a Camaro. He knows every line from Ackroyd and Candy's Armed and Dangerous and is currently making an olive loaf sandwich. Your dad is excited to show you his new toys, his CDs. They're stacked up neatly, each with red typeface on white spines. Phil Collins, Peter Cetera, Sting, Steve Winwood. Guys that were part of something once but haven't but have branched off on their own. Your dad plays one. The sound is sleek, modern, crisp, but you don't care. He'll play them all by the end of the weekend trying to engage you. You yawn. Wish you brought the Nintendo for Mom and Doug's. Since then, the memory of that music has been kept in a special drawer in your conscience. Today, we open that drawer and give it a name. Divorce Core. That's eerily close to my youth. I'm a product of Divorce Corps. <laughs> Welcome to the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast, a podcast that invents genres, swims around in arbitrary genres, counts them down. And I almost lost my computer there. Oh, yeah, it was dramatic. It was very dramatic. Uh, counts them down, and and then we have a lot of fun talking about him. Uh, my name is J.D. Riznar. Uh, this guy over there, Hollywood Steve, how's it going? It's going great. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm doing real good. That's David Lyons. Hey. What a fella. And then uh, Hunter stares down. I'm down here fixing the computer. He's fixing my computer. He's what a, a guy. Little, little IT hunter. What a guy. Um, today, Getting we're going to talk about... Of, uh, what's behind Hunter? Oh, <laughs> a little my. butt crack action oh, going boy. on? Oh, this is beautiful. Gross. I'm back, uh, guys. Hey, Hunter's back, everyone. Hey. back. Hey, all right. Let's get this started. So every week we started off by giving you the Yacht Rock bone throw because we did make the internet show Yacht Rock and it's the only reason you're listening to us. Today's Yacht Rock song was selected by Steve Huey. Tell us about this song, Steve. Well, J.D., the theme for this week is Divorce Car. And if you want the ultimate Yacht Rock album that could also be considered Divorce Car, you're going to go for Bill LeBounty's self-titled 1982 album. This is a song called Living It Up. It's the first song on the album. And this is, uh, this is a song where a recently divorced man tries to unconvincingly talk himself into the idea that he's better off now. Like, oh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm doing crazy things that... There's a lot of Christopher Cross in this song. Do you guys hear Christopher Cross in this? There's a influence. Yeah, I mean, it's a Yacht Rock song. It's got that bounce, you know? It's, 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 yeah, it's, kind it's of a little closer Some to Christopher Cross There's a Port Caro in this. There's a Luca thing. Now, to me, this isn't a song about a divorce. It's a song about a, how sad and lonely douchebags are, like when they don't have other, other people around to be hot shots, you know, in front of. This is like sociology porn for awkward nerds that have no desire to be winners. This could I mean, be a song coming out of a bachelor apartment. To be fair, he does kind of look like an awkward nerd on the cover of his album. But the first line of the song is how he's picking his heart up off the floor after his divorce. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And this I mean, is the this kind, is Yacht Rock. This is the kind of thing where, like, like the, just because of the way the music sounds, it seems like the living it up is more like his friends felt sorry for him and invited him to a wine and cheese party where the guests are all, almost all married couples and they have a quiet conversation at the end. Yeah, it was... It's really nice to see you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should, uh, should do this again sometime. Yeah, yeah, totally. Why do you get that impression? Because he says, in, in, I think it's in the second verse, he says it's uh, he's fine as long as he's not left alone. 
Yeah, this song is so sad. Like, hey, I got a calling service now. I got a, I got a fancy new clothes. I've got a hi-fi. That's why he drops in a line about uh, uh, women and wine. Yeah. Oh, and he feels so sad inside. Listen, this is gonna be a sad show today. Yeah. It is really depressing. Yeah. Let's this guy, this guy could use the uh, spank line. Oh, that's that's a Sammy Hagar it's a callback song. Callback from last now. week. Yeah, listen to last week's episode to get that. Mm. All right, anyway, <laughs> this is a good song. I'm gonna listen to it all the time now. Living it up by Bill the Bounty. All right, well today's show, the, the uh, genre is called divorce core. So what what pops into your head when you hear the word divorce? Uh, for me, uh, the fact that I'm lucky that I'm one of the one of what what there's four of us in the room, three of us. Our parents are still happily married. Is that right? I don't know about happily, but, but they're married. certainly married. married. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve, what do you think of when you think of divorce? It's kind of an abstraction that happens to other people because my parents are still together and I've never been married. That's how I feel too. So I want I invent this whole emotional, psychological thing of what divorce means, and I've sort of found what that means to me in this music. You can hear it. You can feel it. Hunter, how about you? Uh, <clears throat> My whole family's divorced. Uh, but you are happily married. I'm happily married, so yeah. So so I see both sides. I can see both sides of this, of this genre. Well, this this genre known as divorce core, culturally, these are artists that were sometimes part of another group and or have been through a devastating divorce or separation in their personal lives. These are mostly baby boomers who have lost their faith in the 60s and 70s ideals, all the hippy-dippy stuff. They hate Reagan's America, but they shrug and participate in it. Now, the sound is very important to me. It's the slickest, modern, most luxurious production imaginable by 80 standards. It sounds expensive. Like, these are million-dollar recordings. And despite the synthesizers, there's a warmth to the sound, like a satisfying melancholy. Uh, it's usually a departure from these artists' original sounds. Like when, they're getting a makeover for, to be contemporary. Right. For example, we have a Sting song. Sounds nothing like a police song. Like, like that was my first marriage. This is what I'm doing now. I'm different now because I'm not with them anymore, with her anymore. Also, my band doesn't want to hear me bitch about my ex-wife. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then there's a lot of themes of like losing faith in love and a lot of nostalgia. Like, remember when love was simple? There's a lot of stuff like that. Like, this song is sort of a great example. This is Don Henley, End of the Innocents. Um, and even though it doesn't work with this song, if you want to find a divorce court track yourself, the easiest thing to do is to... <laughs> To find your favorite 70s band members who went solo, check Wikipedia to find what year in the 80s they got a divorce. Find the album that came out closest to that year and you will find an awesome divorce court track on there. Like, this song doesn't meet any of my credits, some of them, you know, but it's, this song is just so hopeless and heartbreaking. Like, Don Henley had a fun reputation, but now it's 89, he's bummed out about what Reagan did to the country and he can't take love seriously anymore, you know? Well, wow, I'm in just, heaven listening to this song. I love it. He, he had just broken off a long engagement to an actress from Battlestar Galactica at this point. Oh, she's good. One might say uh, their stars weren't aligned. Oh. Wow. That felt <laughs> two battle stars passing in, that, in that the That felt night. rehearsed. Oh, <laughs> a lot of this is rehearsed. Yeah, but... Well, but, it's all written. Yeah, well, it is, but... And then we... Hey, stop attacking we, we edit. <laughs> but I'm not, and I'm not going to pretend for a second that this is an easy playlist for everyone to listen to. My wife got bummed out, and we're not even we're not divorcing anytime soon. 
I'm just asking everyone to look in their hearts in this episode and take a little visit to the pain that lives in there. A little bit of pain that lives in your heart. Say, hey, pain, how you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Thanks for asking. You need me to do some heavy lifting? Yeah. Yeah, Yes, pain. please, pain. Yes, yeah, please. Yeah, pain, take a step. Just take a step forward. Well, it's the Phil Collins paradox. It's so enjoyable to listen to, but when you think about it, it's so miserable. Yeah. I believe there's beauty in pain, and I can't think of any greater evidence in these ten incredible songs. They'll make emotional pain feel warm and right, which honestly, it should be. Number 10. These are uh, more great bumpers from a listener. These are really terrific. This is uh, Stevie Nicks, Son Becomes Strangers. I wanted to do a Fleetwood Mac member on this countdown, but Lindsey Buckingham's solo stuff is so bonkers. Have you guys heard this stuff? Uh, I'm mostly familiar with Lindsey Buckingham's, like... Holiday Road. Holiday Road is bonkers. It's got like yeah. dog barks and weird bells. It's yeah. a weird song. Well, yeah, we had the, uh, the one on the sultry list uh, that Fleetwood Mac did. Big yeah. Love. That was originally, what was it called? Big Love. Big Love? No, that was a TV show. But it, that was a solo. Uh, that was a solo song of his. But, you know, eventually I went to Stevie Nicks. She pulls through with this divorce chorus song here. I mean, it's not written by here, but like, can you hear the pain in her voice? It was either pain or it's like it's getting nasally from all the cocaine she's been doing. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Fleetwood Mac is a band that got divorced while they were together. I always thought they had really healthy relationships with Fleetwood Macs. <laughs> no? Oh, no, Hunter, you've been misinformed. Oh. Well, listen, I got, some, I got some fun gossip about this album, okay? This is, this is uh, what's this album called? It's called, uh, I forgot. It's called... Uh, Rock a little, rock a little. That's it. So we're, <laughs> I thought it was. I was yeah. gonna say I got rock. to the next page before you did. Oh, thank you very much. So it's rock a little. Jimmy Iovine. Is that how you pronounce it? Iovine. I've never heard it doesn't, pronounced doesn't that way. Doesn't matter. That guy Jimmy was brought in to produce this album, and he produced the demos, but then he dropped out because he was stupping Stevie Nicks. But then she started stupping Joe Walsh from the Eagles. Not her first eagle. Stupid Walsh? Yeah, because somewhere in the process she recorded uh, a duet with Don Henley, one of her other former lovers. Yep. That wound up on the cutting room floor. Uh, this, this is just a mess of breakups by train wreck people mashing crotches together. Yeah. But it, it's art. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's actually easier to count the eagles she didn't sleep with. <laughs> Wait, what was that weird little baby talk thing she just did there? Oh, it's, it's almost a try and rap. Yeah, it's a little mini try and rap. Oh, God, Steve, that genre. <laughs> Stevie, Stevie would probably do baby talk anytime she got in trouble. Like, oh, Lindsay, did you catch me in bed with Mick? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Stevie Nicks. Number nine. Steve Perry, you should be happy. This is off of a very, very good album. This is from Street Talk, Steve Perry's first solo album. <laughs> it, it's not a divorceum journey, but it's definitely a trial separation. Still a journey at the time, still doing his thing. Yeah. And this song, uh, you see be what happy. Else, what else is out there? This is clearly about a breakup. It has great modern production. It, it just sounds like it fits in divorce court. Ah, yeah. I mean, here's my, this is my thoughts. I think he, a lot of, I don't think Steve Perry's lived a lot of life. I think he wrote this song to convince Sherry that he he had a girlfriend before. So he's like, I, I totally broke up with a girl once before. You're not the first girlfriend I've ever had. Because he, you know, he can't. He's not gonna name any names, but he's like, listen to my heartbreak. And he asked all the band members, like, hey, 
What's it like to break up with a girl? And they told him, and they all had different stories, and he kind of mashed them into this song. See, I think this is about what happens after you realize that loving a music man ain't always what it's supposed to be, <laughs> and things just don't actually don't work out. I mean, Street Talk sounds so much like a Journey album. This kind of reminds me of a guy who gets divorced from a lady, and then he starts dating a lady who looks exactly like exactly like, like the, the other lady. Maybe has the same name. Yeah. Or close to it. Yeah. Very close. Did you guys listen to this song? Did you hear, like, there's falsetto parts in here. Do you guys think Steve Perry's singing that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's another singer, because Steve Perry would be like, I'm Steve Perry, I don't do falsetto. I hit the notes. I've never heard him do falsetto. If that's him... This is, I think this is a first for him. I don't think Steve Perry was bringing any other dudes around Sherry at the time, so he was probably playing as many instruments as possible. Yeah, if I learned anything from the song, Oh Sherry, at this time their relationship was tumultuous. You should be happy is a uh, divorce sentiment. So here's a weird part of this song. This is this falsetto I was talking about. Yeah, why? I don't think this is why Steve is Perry. This, why is this in the song? I don't know. This don't right know. here? I would never underestimate Steve Perry's vocal range. Especially at this point. But falsetto's easy to do. I'm saying, like, falsetto was riding a bike with training wheels. Like, he wouldn't do that. He'd get a background singer to do it. Because he's good. He hits those notes. He's Steve fucking Perry. And he's divorced in this song. <laughs> he's playing divorce. Number eight. Alright, this one's real. This is a great example of divorce court. This is Steve Winwood's Freedom Overspill. I found it by scanning all of Steve Winwood's 80s albums and finding a song that sounded like a million bucks and had a breakup theme. This was on his 86 album, Back in the High Life. Comes to find, I come to find out, it so happens, 86 was the year of his divorce. So I'm really onto something here, guys. Am I the only one that thinks this sounds like Big Time by Peter Gabriel? Oh, no, Peter Gabriel! I miss Peter Gabriel! I should have put Peter Gabriel! Listen, we'll revisit Divorce Corps. I'll get Peter Gabriel on there. I miss Mike and the Mechanics. No spoilers. There's a lot of guys that I still have to hit. So, yeah, we're going to come back. I think Big Time is catchier than this one, honestly. All right, I just want to talk about this one actually being Divorce Corps. It's such a great take. This literally sounds like a guy who just got his new apartment, just furnished it. And now he's making a TV dinner, sitting down at his couch, and he's just slowly weeping, going, Now what do I do with all my free time? It's, it's overspilling at a sad time. But look at my sweet new TV. Yeah. My wife would have hated that. Honestly, I have no idea what the lyrics are, because Steve Winwood has such a weird singing style. I can never understand what he's saying. But his songs are amazing. It doesn't matter what he's saying. Most of them slightly are. Slightly less amazing yeah. to me. I know, it's not the best. I yeah, know. It's the I second know. time Steve Winwood's shown up on one of our lists. Yet to hear a really good one that I like. Oh, but this <laughs> is hey, such you, a good... You're doing, you're doing as bad a job selling Steve Winwood to the people as you did selling Van Hagar last week. Okay. Hey, come oh, on, come on. This is, yeah, this is a great Divorce Corps song. This is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could remember it when it was done playing. Though. I could have put "Back on the High Life" on this list, but I have a better mandolin song later on in the countdown. Uh, you could argue for a higher love or finer things, but like what? Freedom o Overspill is such a stupid name for a song. And also, Hunter made me put it on here. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it's great. This is so honest. I never thought I'd say this, but I can't believe you bumped Don Henley for this. I just wanted to play him up top. Hey. Seven. 
Billy Joel Pressure from his 1982 album The Nylon Curtain. Really? This was as early as 82? Yeah, this is 1982. This is right before his divorce. Probably during his divorce. During the, the nastiness of it. Uh, and it was a nasty one. He got a great album by tapping into his pain. And somebody just listened to the song Chess. Or night, one night in Bangkok for you, you want me to go over his uh, his divorce real fast? Yes, I have a gossip corner with Hunter. Okay. So here's how this thing started. So I'm not going to use any names, but uh, except for one, Attila. So Billy Joel stole the fiance of his prog metal side group, or his original band, Attila. Uh, she then felt guilty and left him. Billy Joel got super suicidal. She came back to him. They got married, had kids, but she was like, but I want to be your manager and take all your money. And so Billy Joel was like, oh my God, I have to make so much money to keep my wife happy. And she was never happy. And then she brought her brother in into the, into the mix and they started stealing his money. And this is, this is Billy Joel putting so much pressure on himself to try to keep his marriage going and it's not working. Yeah, That's the story. It was super, super nasty. Yeah. Bad, bad divorce. Fun it's, fact. Oh, uh, this is a song about how hard it is to make ends meet when you're a family man. I can speak to guys with kids and wives everywhere. There's just not enough hours in the day to do all the work you need to do and give your family all the hugs they need. I feel that pressure every day. And when I hear that, when I feel that pressure, that's what I hear. That synthesizer riff in my head. That riff We've all heard it, right? One Night in Bangkok. Yeah. Jo Billy Joel and One Night in Bangkok people were the only ones with the balls to actually record it. It's magic. It's science. We all hear that. All you single guys, when you get married, you're under pressure, you'll hear this in your head. Thanks, to me, I hear, I hear that synth riff, and I think, oh, this is... It sounds like one of those early 80s, like, paranoid songs, like, uh, like an Every Breath You Take or a Private Eyes, or just, like... Somebody's getting real paranoid and he's going crazy. Yeah, because his all wife is doing that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, well it, it seems to fit in that. It, I hear that synth riff and I think that's that's where it falls into me. So he nailed it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The music video also has images of like 1984. Cool. Like, like yeah. the good, numbers. Good fact. Fun yeah. fact. Now the Van Halen album. Oh, Billy Joel. There's some. You bum me out once again. There's some residual. Kalen Hagar on this episode. I know, it's as if we just recorded it before this one. Number six. Bruce Hornsby and the Range, Mandolin Range. So, JD, pretty. question for you. Yeah. When you said you had a song coming up that featured mandolin, uh huh. was this the one? This is the one. Okay. It's called Mandolin Rain. Cool. And they, they play mandolin in the song. Got it. Use that instrument. When Got it. Recorded. I see. So that was foreshadowing. Yeah, but it's a, Bruce Hornsby's piano playing is awesome. It's like he's he's trying to fight the piano. And you didn't bring this up in the intro to Divorce Score, uh -huh. but I think this is one of those tropes of the lonely, thoughtful, sensitive guy just playing the piano by himself, like just remembering what what used to be, what could have been. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting is I think that Bruce Hornsby, I think he is a happy dude who's had a happy, and I think. That back, I think history yeah. backs that up. He's a happy dude with a happy life. Yeah, he's this is a guy man. who's like he's like a lightning rod of emotions who looks around at all of his friends who are having failed marriages, who are having a hard time putting it into words, and he feels it so deeply that it's just it's it's affecting him so much that he had to make a divorce course song. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a guy, he's, he's on his first white boy. I think he's still married to it. It's hard yeah. to tell because the Gossip Rags aren't jumping on Bruce Hornsby's marital status. Yeah, are you listening, Gossip Rags? <laughs> yeah, we need to know what... You have an audience. Is Bruce Hornsby still married to Kathy Hornsby? Unfulfilled we, we people that wish to subscribe. Um, and this is, you know, this is his first album with his first band. He came to L.A. in the early 80s and, like, scrapped as a songwriter and a session and touring keyboard player. And things are going great for him. But still, like, this is Divorce Corps because it just hits that nostalgia note of like this is when breakups were simpler this song is about a very simple beautiful breakup with a young girl during a carnival in South Carolina North Carolina wherever he's from there's river boats and mandolin rains it's lovely oh it's lovely. weeping the mandolin rain it's, it's our tears he really there's a missed opportunity there he could have rhymed mandolin rain with pain but he chose not to also, I, I think he's really weeping for his generation. You know, the, the, the generation that was going to change the world through peace and love and became angry, jealous, greedy yuppies who basically turned from Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump. This is, this is, this is, him, this is him at the funeral singing to that generation. There's such lovely musical metaphors in this song. Mandolin rain, banjo wind, juice harp, earthquakes. Jug band tsunamis, washboard volcano, <laughs> jazz drummer brush snow. Eh, whatever. Let's move on. We're gonna do 50 states of 50 podcasts. It's, it's a shitty segment. I got a bumper into it this time. Though. Oh, I'm excited. Uh oh. Beyond your rock. It's just a regular bumper. <laughs> that was oh, it. <laughs> sorry, we'll have one soon. All right. I decided to keep it simple while breaking up the tone here a little bit. Also, I'm checking off a difficult state. These guys are called the Scurvies. They formed in Fairbanks, Alaska in 2003, and they kick a whole lot of ass. It sounds like, it sounds like generic punk rock like you like. Yeah, yeah, it's right up my alley. <laughs> uh, real quick history of Alaska music. Uh, Inuit, Russian, Irish, English. Turn into folk. Jewel lives there. Uh, some other it's things about Alaska. Alaska. Thank you for not picking Jewel. Thank yeah. you for not. Well, picking she just Jewel. lives there now. I have to say, I'm honestly shocked that No Palin has a has a record yet. Soon. Yeah, I'm shocked Bristol didn't have it. I I double checked. Yeah. Well, I, I picked my favorite of the uh, scene. Um, Tell us more about Alaska. Fun Dave. facts about Alaska: I lost my virginity on a boat in Alaska. Oh, There's some fantastic! Oil there. Congratulations. Uh, they've got gold. U.S. Secretary of State William H. Seward. Got it from the Russians, Russians, the Russia folks. About two cents an acre. It was called Seward's Folly at the time. He then retired to Southern California. That's why there's a street called Seward in Hollywood. Wow. God, this segment is terrible. Yeah, you listen, I chime in, but there's only about five seconds left in this song. Yeah, well, I didn't want a 10 minute uh, tirade like Hunter's Hawaii thing. <laughs> Number five. Sting. Fortress around your heart. This is from Sting's first post-police album, albums, The Dreams of Blue Turtles, which is a phenomenally <laughs> no, it's terrible... the dream oh, of the Blue okay. Turtles. The dream of the Blue Turtle. Listen, it's a phenomenal... Way, it's a terrible either name way, for Either way, he got turd in there. This kind of came on the heels of his personal divorce as well. So, you know, songs like this, When You Love Somebody, Set Them Free... 
is all in the cell. I'm guessing that Sting has this issue where he feels like he holds on to people too tightly and they slip out of his control. So this is a story of a control freak accepting his inability to see control. Except it's all in this metaphor about war, like old tiny war. <laughs> he, needs, uh, he needs to figure out whether he's going to be an English teacher or a rock star. Sting's all about old timey stuff. Fields, fortresses, castles. <laughs> You know, now I'm, you know what the police were holding back when he was in the band. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I think I like him better with the police. Oh, interesting. That's we unpopular? Had, we should have had that battle of the band. I don't think we need to, because I, I agree. We could do a four-man tribute to the police. Yeah. Sting uh, invites some police in here. Sting met his ex-wife on a rock musical called uh, Rock Nativity. And she was the actress who played the Virgin Mary. That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, like a cut yeah. scene from Spinal Tap. It yeah. is that that was never gonna last. <laughs> so, sorry, Sting. As as many metaphors as you want to wrap your relationship around, uh, it was never gonna last. The chorus of this song gives me chills. It's so good. We're in the verse right now, but yeah, the chorus is much better than the verse. Yeah, I, 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 I just read through the lyrics. Like, wow, well, it, it seems like he's kind of encroaching on some self-awareness in himself, but like, it's encoded in such an elaborate metaphor. Like, it can't really be what his partner was hoping he would work on for the marriage. Like, I just <laughs> wanted you to do the, the dishes once in a while. I don't. This elaborate siege metaphor is not really. This is not what we talked about in couples therapy. Do you think Sting's lovers call him Gordon? I think I think they call him by his full name. Oh, Gordon Sumner. Oh, Gordon Sumner. <laughs> well, Sting says that, that this song is about starting a new relationship, which would have been probably with, like, Trudy Styler, his current wife. And they, of course. So, like, maybe the fortress is the fact, the thing where they have sex for a week at a time? And then she, she'd just be like, all right, Gordon, like, the fortress is built. You can stop now. And he's like, no, I, I can do this for a week. Just check like it with me tomorrow. Straight. I don't know. It's a, oh, there, a was a famous, there was a famous yeah. interview he did with Rolling Stone where he talked about how he was trained in uh, tantric sexual practices. He learned it from military books about <laughs> sieges. <laughs> it's fields. Fun facts all around. Yeah. Number four. Peter Cetera. They don't make them like they used to. It's sweet sound effects. They're building a, a woman, probably, based on the lyrics of this song, about how they don't make women like they used to. Oh, it's a woman factory. It's a woman factory. It's a woman factory where Peter Cetera punches the clock. So Peter Cetera, they don't make them like they used to off his Solitaire Solitude album. Um, this is a couple That's a pretty divorce core title for an album. <laughs> it's also terrible. <laughs> it's awful. I love this album, though. It's got sentimental value to me. Uh, but this is like a solo album removed from his Chicago days. Uh, it's also very removed from his first divorce, which is like 12 years earlier. But this song works for me as divorce core because of the nostalgic symbolism. Like, treating a, trading up a woman like you're trading up a car and going like, they don't make these Buicks like they used to. They don't make these women like they used to. But with a twist, they're even better now. Do you think it's about women or relationships? That's a good question. Because I thought it was about relationships, that his old relationship with his old lady was terrible, and these new ones are great. These new ones with his younger 
20-year-old girl who has no opinions on anything are amazing. I couldn't see, I couldn't tell if he wanted a younger woman who was smart or an older woman who who was smart. But it sounds like it sounds like he wants a substantive woman, but I can't tell like if he's it, 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 there's this weird, like, American-made kind of patriotism subtext to this song that's... It's a confusing again, it's song. Like, it's like he's ordering from the woman factory. Yeah, it's yeah. confusing yeah, It's a little bit of a mess, but I like it. <laughs> I like this song a lot. There's a line that's like, uh, 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 it's, the, it's, it's what's inside that keeps him coming back for more. It's like what's under the hood, except in this case, not boobs, but brains. It's, it's just, this song's a mess. Peter Cetera, we don't have to talk about this song anymore. I'm sorry I brought it up. Fuck you guys. Coming in at number four. Number three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this yeah. is a great song. Yeah. It's a great album. Tunnel of Love by Bruce Springsteen. This is... This is my personal favorite divorce core album. Uh, it's his first... Not counting Nebraska, it's his first like real big time production album without the E Street Band. You hear all these synths and electronic drums. Not only was he did he divorce his uh, wife, he's divorced from style because he was wearing a bolo tie at the time, <laughs> which isn't one. gonna get you a new wife. Yeah, with a puffy with a puffy shirt. With a oh, well, he, he already <laughs> had a new wife. He already oh, okay. had a new wife. Well, then I guess that's why he was wearing the bolo tie. He wasn't trying anymore. So if falling in love came with a big warning sign, then this song is that warning sign. Like ton of love. How nihilistic? Nihilistic? Nihilistic. Yeah, nihilistic. Sure. How Why nihilistic not? is that symbolism? Love is a tunnel? And a creep sells you tickets? Well, usually the and tunnel... And you're trapped. It's dank and dark. Listen, I still want to go down that tunnel. Usually a tunnel of love is a vagina metaphor. I know, See, I disagree, huh? But I don't... No, I'm saying usually. I don't think it is in this song. That's what's weird. Oh, I'm saying usually. No, this is kind of more of a carnival funhouse thing. Yeah, literally. Where he's singing about illusions. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of songs about the illusions in relationships on this album. Uh, Brilliant Disguise is another really, really great one. Where he's talking about how like, you can never be sure what you're seeing reflected back at you in that other person. Yeah, this is very big nostalgic element in this song as well. This is two young teens fooling around. This is the boss remembering the first time he ever touched a titty. I think it's the first time uh, the boss went backdoor on a girl. I think this is a backdoor suggestion. Oh, no. I, get, I, get, I, I get what you're... That's why you disagreed about the tunnel. Oh, your turn's coming up, Dave. It's gonna be great. Wasn't a tunnel of love a boat ride? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's your much, traditional, like... How much jizz do you think was on that boat and in that water? Uh, Mostly on the boat. Yeah, uh, Don't you think they... I hope they hosed those boats off. <laughs> boat hoser. Yeah, yeah. Who, would, who would do that <laughs> job? Probably some kind yeah. of boat hoser. Yeah. <laughs> boat hoser. Uh, the production on this song feels like a hug from a ghost. You know what I mean, guys? Yeah, yeah. especially when, in the coda at the end, it's really... Yeah. Like, just... Thick and I mean, it's not sounds and you would hear on an E Street Band yeah. album. It makes you feel warm. It's a weird song about divorce. Yeah. Oh, I love it, though. This whole album is great. Tunnel of Love. Pick it up today on <laughs> iTunes.com. Number one. No. Number two. Good cover. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. This is one of the most amazing divorce course success stories. Oh, this is where somebody gets that that modernized makeover on their sound and just t- 
takes off into a new stratosphere with their career. Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is the one that really, really worked. As a, like for her career, just yeah, I know she was saying she had a bunch around this time, but this is the one that just usually when you sing a song that's that personal, it's just like filler on an on an album. This one was a single yeah. put out there. This, this song's not really about divorce, but it's about that feeling you have after divorce tears your entire being in two. You know, hey, I can fuck anyone I want right now, and this guy's making me super horny, but I don't want to fall for him because he'll be a dick and make me feel like shit about myself. So I'm gonna keep the situation under control, keep keep the expectations under under wraps. Ah, fuck, it's not working. I'm falling for this guy. It's, it's a wonderful song. And it's at this point where I realize that divorce core and sultry hits have a lot of crossover. Yeah. Like the divorce core stuff is right before they make a lot of mistakes due to a lot of Michelobes. Mm, yeah. Late at night, a lot of sexy mistakes, and the they were, the night belongs. Yeah, and a lot of sexy, well lit mistakes. So it's like these. This is the prequel to Sultry Hits, this divorce core. Um, half of these artists I featured on the Sultry Hits list. So this is just kind of the music I like these days. It's just yeah. middle aged there's, there's people making bit, hits in the There's 80s. a little bit of that going on. <laughs> and it's what's crazy is that in the sense. '80s, in the '80s, you could be a middle aged person and still make hits like this. Like these, all these artists would get played on top forty radio right next to what the kids were listening. To, and it was still just as big. Yeah, my wife Leah has a theory about that. That our generation grew up listening to this like Older. depressing divorce music on the radio, and then like it, it it inspired us to like write grunge and create this just jaded, terrible view of the world. Thanks a lot, Tina Turner. Thanks a lot, baby boomers. <laughs> Your ideals are destroyed, so you have to destroy ours. Anyway. It's just preparing you for life. Ugh. Man. It just JD, got dark. JD, I have a question. Yeah. Tina Turner was so successful with her divorce core makeover. How can she not be number one? Who could possibly have had a more successful career that was started by their divorce? Who could that artist be? I oh. think there's only one answer. Yeah, there's only one answer to that. We'll let the bumper tell us that it's the number one song. After we listen to this for a second, so yeah, this is great. Yeah. Hey, Hollywood fat cats, uh, little kids don't need other little kids to tell them about stuff. They can listen to adults. It worked for our generation. <laughs> this was a great song. I loved the song as a kid. I didn't need Disney radio. Is the point I'm trying to make? No, I can't. We got it. Number one. Here's the answer to your question, Steve. Phil Collins. Whoa! The only answer against to the question. Odds. Oh, Phil Collins is the most depressing divorce artist I've ever heard in my life. But it's, his music's so beautiful. I once caught a palm tree in my backyard on fire to this song. <laughs> uh, he's the king. He's the king of divorce core. And there's so many songs to choose from, but this song is just heartbreaking. Songs? Albums? Yeah, you're the only yeah, one. He's made multiple divorce core albums. You're the only one who really knew me at all? Like that's the the bulk of his work. That's how I feel about my wife. And if she went away, then she takes me with with her. Like half your identity goes away with this person who left you. And this song makes me understand that and feel like shit. Yeah, that song's making me. I, anybody can. Yeah. That's that's the problem with the, the Phil Collins paradox. Sounds great, but he sings so emotionally. It's so easily that anybody listening listening to it feels. Like they are going through a divorce. <laughs> he is so relatable. Like, 
I don't know what it is. He knows Divorce Course so well that it can, this song can ruin a relationship. Just putting that much work into a relationship and then having to start from scratch with someone else with all the emotional baggage from your last shitty relationship. Thank you, Phil Collins, for making me feel that so I can be a really good dude to the lady in my life. Thank I'll you, tell Phil. you, this whole playlist made me really want to hug my wife a lot. Yeah. Well, good so, thing I never got married. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, yeah. guys. Hey, listen, the mar marriage is great. Yeah. What I understand, divorce it's, is terrible. Yeah. This playlist is made. So don't me, yeah. don't get divorced. Horrible. Yeah, Steve. Boy. So this is from the soundtrack uh, from Against All Odds. Has anybody seen Against All Odds? Yeah, I did. It's not about divorce, is it? Uh. It's specifically not about divorce, but the the movie is oddly about divorce. It's it's a weird movie where these two people are trying to get together but can't because of life, because of money, because of careers, because of family. And then at the end, spoiler alert, doesn't end happy. And the next time these two people are gonna see each other, and they say this in the movie, is in court. Oh, that's how it is. But it's not about divorce. But everything in it is about divorce. They have they 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 fight like a married couple. They have sex like a married couple. At one point, they're ha they're making love, sweet sweet love, and they're crying. It's like a marriage breaking up, and it can't be saved. And what's funny is this song appears multiple times in the movie at these like really tough moments but in different versions like the first one's an acoustic <laughs> one that just kind of creeps in and the next is a little bit of a piano and then it doesn't come in till the very end where it just locks in on the face and you know these characters are done yeah, this song is just like a slow sonic tsunami like it won't let up and then by the time it ebbs like this you're destroyed at this point and then you know i'm finally taking a look at phil and i see his little bald head it just makes me bald. And that's what he wants. He wants you to look oh, at him and so see him sad. crying. Well, so thanks for sad. standing by me during, for my super depressing Divorce Corps episode, guys. I think it's a good that's genre. That's what friends do. We stand by each other in times yeah, of need. Thanks not, a lot. I'm devastated. Not like people that will divorce you. Yeah. Did, we, <laughs> did I miss oh, we anything off the list? Week. Did I miss anything off the list? Well, what we else talked about Peter Gabriel. I think Paul Simon has some stuff. Um, I would have chose uh, Bitter Pill by Annie Lennox. Uh, I came very late. But in 2003, she had an album called Bear that w is, is just one of the, the most divorce core albums ever written. It's tough to listen to. Um, that's the one pop song off the album. Steve? All right, I got a few things I want to shout. Because I know that we are doing, you're going for a very specific kind of musical sound mm -hmm. here. Everybody's settling in. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, uh, I, I feel like people are going to hear the term divorce car and they're going to think, what about that? Why, how is that not divorce mm. car? It's a specific musical sound because we're doing a podcast about arbitrary genres. Mm -hmm. But I do want to say like some of the quintessential like singer-songwriter divorce albums that are out there. Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks was the, the original one. Elvis Costello's Imperial Bedroom. Um, Richard and Linda Thompson, Shoot Out the Lights. Those are all great divorce albums that simply are not divorce core as we've defined it here. 
Yeah, I think I think Elvis Costello. That album can work. That's a that's a really kind of rich album. It's sort of on the outskirts because I really like it to be popular top forty music. But listen, we'll put it on the list when we revisit the Force Core in two weeks. Fuck you, audience. Wait, I also you, audience. I also want to give a shout out to Rod Stewart's "Lost in You," which is not really Divorce Core, but it is a song about a guy <laughs> trying who's trying to bang his ex-wife, and it sounds like he's gonna succeed. Oh, all right. All right. That's awesome. Well, thanks. I think Rod Stewart banged a lot of guys' ex-wives. Uh, yeah. Good no, old... his ex-wife. Yeah. Oh, his own ex-wife. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's like, hey, how's your mama? How's your papa? How's that son of mine? Like, he oh. had a kid with this girl, and now he's going to go back and try to hit that again. Hmm. Check that's it out. Awesome. Right. Steve Hall. <laughs> Join us next week. We'll have a little more fun with Hunter in the captain's chair with rock bands, right? Yeah, rock bands. Band B A N S A N S. Yeah, rock we're gonna bands. we're gonna count those down. We're gonna have a lot of fun. So you can find this week's divorce core playlist uh, by following JD Rizner on Spotify. Hopefully, it's raining and you have a bottle of wine and some time to cry and not a handgun. <laughs> yeah, don't oh. g- give your handgun to a friend before you. Speaking you of, like, we oh, should yeah? talk about how since this is such a depressing list, we uh-huh. should really hammer home. That on Spotify, these things are on this list. These this this show was made for you to listen as you're going home on a Friday night, so you can then listen to these songs when you're home. Please do it. Yeah, that's right. awesome. That'd you, be awesome for you. We don't get anything from it, but that's what it's for. Yeah, it's it's a fun site. Spotify, <laughs> it's a fun app. Follow me, JD Rizner, on Spotify to find all of our playlists from the show. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow me at JD Rizner. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow Dave at David underscore B underscore Lions. Don't follow Hunter at karaoke. You will look foolish. You can't beat him. He's great. Yeah. yeah. A lot like, of energy. High energy performer. Really brings it. Untouchable. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Please rate and review Beyond Yacht Rock on iTunes. Even if this episode was de- a depressing stinker, we got a lot of good ones in the hopper. You're going to continue to love us. Give us a rating so we become relevant. Go to YachtRock.com for what will hopefully one day be a very useful experience. Uh, <laughs> the theme, our little theme bumper and today's countdown bumpers are by Rob Crow. Rob Crow. He has many San Diego indie rock bands, including Pinback. Ooh. Friend of the podcast. Thank you very much, Rob. Thanks to producer Dustin Marshall for awkwardly smiling at me when I look at him to make us believe we're doing a good job. Dustin! Check out Feral Audio podcasts like Call Chelsea Peretti, which I've never listened to, but I imagine it allows you to call up celebrity actress Chelsea Peretti on the telephone. And who cares? It would what make it's sense. About. Yeah. She, she tells good jokes and she acts good on TV. So find all of this and more at feralaudio.com. Thank you, America. Good night. Stay together, yeah. everybody. Stay yeah. together. Hug your wife. Yeah. Hug your husband. Tell her you love her. Pet your dog because they can divorce you too. Really? Yeah. Thank you.